Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unpark Rules podcast in association with Blue Collar Street Food, the best street food in Reading, undisputed, uh, as everybody in Reading knows already. Been joined on another Victory Sunday today uh, by Nick Holton. Nick, Hi, Alex. how are you? You right? Doing very well. It's another another win for Reading yesterday, so another weekend made. And on the other end of this call, Matt Lansley. Good afternoon, Alex. Victory Sunday. Always love them. Got to love a victory Sunday. Got to love a victory Sunday indeed. Looking back at yesterday, at home against Barnsley, probably one that people went into with some high expectations. Um and I think the expectations might have been raised when people saw the team sheet yesterday, Matt. We saw Liam Moore fit, Scott Dan making his debut, Josh Laurent moving back to his natural central midfield position, and Aziz back on the bench. Do you reckon that was a stronger lineup than you were expecting to see? Um, yeah, it, it was certainly getting getting back. I think the fact we had fit centre backs at last, you know, it, it, it was it was always going to be a positive, you know. <laughs> um, and I think um, seeing Aziz back, it was nice to see another one player back from the injury list. But seeing Hoylet going the other way, kind of it, kind of, uh, you know, it was it it was like one 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 step forward, one step back because you you've got a player back, you've lost a player, but hopefully Hoylet won't be won't be out for too long. I think I think a lot of people were optimistic. Um I spoke to one of the guys that that, that I stand with um uh, in uh, in club 1871 he was he was predicting a 4-0 win. So I think that that was a bit of a <laughs> a bit of an ambitious scoreline I thought at the time but um but yeah no I think I think the optimism was was high for the game but I mean there's quite a nice feel good factor around the place at the moment isn't there so I think I think everyone was just 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 looking forward to it and like I say coming in with with a bit bit of expectation. Yeah, Nick, that feel-good factor is definitely there after, what was it, four wins in five before yesterday. And, and it felt like there was, a, yeah, certainly some expectation going into it. Did you did you expect us to, to come away with three points after seeing that team news? Yeah, I think the team, it was nice to have an actual back four in there, in their actual positions. I was quite confident Yardon would be fit because it was a, I think it was a cut foot. So I don't think it was too bad. I thought we'd recover in time and more, especially after missing the Jamaica International duty, you weren't sure, but... It's good to have them both available. Scott Dan's looked good when he's come off the bench prior to the game as well. Uh, I wasn't sure. I was that confident going into the Barnsley game. It's one of those banana skin kind of games. I don't think they're uh, 
necessarily as bad as their position suggests, although they're not as strong as last season. But we're on a roll. Um, we've been steady since the last international break. I, I still think there's more to come. Um, but we've been getting results and confidence is there. And we've looked pretty good in the last uh, sort of month, month or so. Yeah, certainly uh, the first 15 or 20 minutes yesterday was, it, it felt like almost a continuation of that last month. We did look probably the more dominant side, I'd say, for the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the game. And that, um, although it didn't result in any chances particularly, there was the first moment, uh, an only real moment, for George Puskas and his involvement in the game was a was a fairly strong dribble from 30 or 35 yards out, Matt, um, which ended up being uh, resulting in a blocked shot out for a corner. Um, we'll get the put discussion about Puskas out of the way now because I feel like we've discussed George Puskas on social media, on this podcast, ad Zoom, and people are probably sick of discussion about George Puskas. So... Matt, is George Puskas going to start in midweek or was that his kind of, you know, final chance playing up front as a starter for Reading? Yeah, um, I think now, especially with with Aziz back, I know we saw Aziz back um, on the wing when he started earlier in the season, but we know he can play up top. And I think earlier in the season, most people would have said, just keep him out wide. But the problem with Puskas is he used to actually at least just affect the game a little bit, you know, with his... With, with, with his with his running he'd get into positions he'd get chances yes his finishing sometimes was questionable and he probably could have got a lot more goals early on than he did but he was at least getting into the positions he was he was score or having chances he was affecting the game which he just isn't doing now you know he's not even affecting the game you know he's he, people might say he's making runs but they're pointless runs because they're runs that balls will never be passed to him um because because of just where he's running to like he's he's running into two defenders and it's like it's it's a sad one because you can you can see the confidence is just gone from him you know and taking him out of the starting line it's probably just a nicety almost for Puskas now because he's he's just not doing anything in the games that, that that he's playing with and that's that's the problem if he was at least doing something you could maybe justify keeping him in but he's not even affecting the game so and I kind of like we said before the podcast. I think Panovic is kind of, kind of a bit fed up with him almost because of it. You know, he's 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 collared him for 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 Clark. He's he's collared him for for Aziz on his first game back from injury. You know, so I think like I think there's a very very good chance he starts on um, starts on Wednesday. Yeah, one person who is fed up of of George Prescott is uh, Mr. Nick Holton. Um, <laughs> you're you're not a Prescott defender at all, Nick. So yeah. yeah, I'm very fed up of him. I just don't see what he brings. I don't think he's got any particular strengths at all. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily bad at everything, but I just don't think he's more than average at anything. Um, even as Matt pointed out with the runs he does try to make, even when the ball is played through to him, he just doesn't seem to have the pace to get onto it or the ability to do anything with it when he does get onto the end of it. I think this season, maybe the QPR game was the only game where he's actually played okay and I mean, he should have scored in that game and put it to bed as well. Um, yeah, yes, I don't think it was his worst game yesterday either. He wasn't good, but he wasn't by far his worst game. Uh, just, I just don't know. It's like playing with 10 men, isn't it, at times? He, the service is there. We've got the players to provide him with the ball. I just, he's just, yeah, Femi comes on later on and uh, we look much better, basically. So, yeah, I just think it's uh, cut our losses next summer. 
even if we lose out on him, lose out of money for him, which we, I mean, it's inevitable really, isn't it? But it just needs to go. I just, I just can't stand him anymore. I'm just fed out 8 million euros or whatever it is. And it's just useless. You, you pay that money, you expect some strength, some strengths from him. And he's, yeah, he's poor. He's really just a really poor striker. One player who did get a chance later in the first half, Ovi Jaria, found himself after a decent ball through, um, running through on goal and probably made the wrong decision to try and uh, shoot himself instead of instead of laying it off. He had Swift open on his, his left-hand side. Um, came from a... This was from a short pass, which was quite strange because there was a, an awful lot of long balls yesterday, Nick, uh, from, from the back. It definitely felt like we were targeting kind of over-the-top passes yesterday. Yeah, I feel like we were just trying to get him behind. Uh, it, the build-up play wasn't too bad at times, but we were trying to get him behind, I think, too, without the pace up there, really. I think TDB wasn't really suited to the right wing. Um, you know, Jari's not that sort of over-the-top player either. He likes to get on the ball and dribble with it or, or play off someone, link up with players. Uh, and obviously, Swift's... Uh, he, he makes some runs from deep sometimes, but it, it just didn't seem to to work. I think Scott Dan and Liam Moore were trying to play those long balls, drink water, but just wasn't happening really. I just don't think we had the the direct pace in behind to to make it work at that point. Yeah, it it resulted in a relatively feeble shot in the end, uh, and it, you're right, the pace probably wasn't there up top. Um, we weren't the only side to create chances in the first half. Barnsley certainly had their opportunities as well. Uh, Matt, Southwood did actually spill across yesterday, um, as has kind of been raised a couple of times. And Barnsley probably should have got the opener in that first half, despite the fact that Southwood did then end up making a fairly good save from Corley Woodrow pretty soon after he spilt the ball. Yeah, and I think... He made a very good save from range as well that was going right in the bottom. bottom. Was that the Corley Woodrow? I can't remember if that... I yeah, don't think that was the, oh, it was the Woodrow chance, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, like, I'm more than happy with, 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 with Southwood at the moment, to be fair. Like, yes, he's making a couple of spills here and there, but I think some of the saves he's making and he's influencing the game, like, I think... It's something he has to work on, but but you look at, you look at what he brings, what Raphael brings... Um, we've talked about it a million times, Raphael from range. I don't think Raphael saves that shot from Woodrow because it was going right in the bottom corner. I was perfect, perfect in line to see it, see it going in. I was worried for it when, when it was going through the air. Um, But I mean, I think he's, he's just asserting his, his number one spot, like the more the weeks go by Southwood, you know, I don't think there's much of a conversation on who's, Who's our number one right now? Like yes, like I say, he 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 spills one or two chant or one or two crosses, but they're not actually into dangerous areas in the end, really. You know, and so hopefully he does clean that up because yes, one will probably come that will cost us possibly, but with the saves he's making, you know, he, he's more than making up for it in in what he's bringing um, with his saves. So. Yeah, it doesn't feel like uh, doesn't feel like Raphael is going to win that spot back anytime soon. And Reading have probably kind of lucked into a first choice championship goalkeeper there, Nick. In in a sense, 
Yeah, uh, he's, he's come in because of an injury, hasn't he? And he's he's not looked out of place at all. And he's probably getting better and better. Maybe yesterday was his best performance. You could argue Fulham. Uh, but like um, uh, Matt was saying with uh, Woodrow Chance, that was uh, behind Matt and it was going in the bottom corner and he hit it with some real fears. Uh, he's full stretched, got his fingers onto it. And I think Raphael, I don't think Raphael gets that. I think that's a goal if Raphael's in goal. I uh, don't think... Raphael was necessarily performing too badly this season. I think the defence let down a lot of the time. Uh, I don't think he was in form where you should drop him necessarily, but he has got his chance through the injury, deserved his chance, and he's he's running with it. He's, he's great, and like like you've already said, he's uh, there's no there's no discussion to be had on who's the number one. It's comfortably Luke Southwood, and unless he drastically drops form, he's going to be number one now until the end of the season. Raphael will, will leave on a free, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next season with Southwood continuing as our goalkeeper at the moment. Raphael, you're absolutely cursing that whiteboard in the dressing room, I'm sure. <laughs> well, how, how, how do you feel if you're Raphael right now? You know, like after pr- pretty much being first choice for, for two years, yeah. punching a whiteboard, forcing your own injury mm-hmm. that has now almost brought in your replacement. You must, well, he's only got himself to yourself. Yeah, you'd yeah. be so annoyed at yourself, I think, because I don't think he was in droppable form. Um, he wasn't brilliant, but he was doing okay. And he's just, yeah, cost his place. And I can't see him getting back in now. I think he's going to be desperate for the move to uh, technology going forwards and, and everything being on iPads, getting rid of whiteboards. <laughs> yeah. There was one controversial moment in the first half, a decent crossover from Ajaria, Matt. And talk us through what happened here. Uh, the linesman has no eyes. I think that's all that can be said. Um, it was like it, it, it was it was an odd one, to be fair. Um, it was the Delhi Bashiru offside goal. Um, for for those that might not have remembered it, it was. And if if, if you've not seen the EFL show, showed it beautifully for how poor the linesman was because he was about two yards onside. It seemed onside when we were in the ground. It has to be said, I was behind the goal, so I didn't have the best view along the line. Probably wasn't the best to judge, but it seemed it seemed onside at the time. Um, and and yeah, it is just like when, when you look back at it, it's not even it's not even close. I mean, I think I think it's Swift over on the far side. He's not even offside. You know, there's there's no player that's even close to being offside. It was it's just a dreadful dreadful decision but the refereeing all across the championship yesterday seemed woeful missed penalties here and there offside goal that wasn't offside you know it's we we talk about it so much in the championship about how poor the officiating crews are but how he's how the linesman's even flagging for that when he's literally like two yards on side is just baffling um and it, it, it could have changed the game you know like i mean to be fair it would have Put us, put us one nil up at halftime. You always kind of felt that if Barnsley went down one nil, that would have sunk him. Um, it certainly did when when we obviously got got the winner. Um, but but yeah, it, it, it was a lovely move as well because it was a great ball from Ovi. It's a brilliant ball from Ovi. Delhi took it took it down quite well. Kind of bundled bundled it over the line in the end. But um, but I mean, it, it was it was it was it was a it was a great great move, great pass, pretty good finish. It was just a shame that the linesman decided he, he wanted to be paid paid as a Barnsley player. So, I mean, the officials weren't good overall, especially the assistants, Nick, yesterday. I think they were both quite poor. Uh, the second half, I can remember, there was a terrible offside call on George Puskas, which looked awful as well, and he would have been through on goal. Do you, I don't want to focus too much on you know performance from officials, but it does feel like we've had some 
pretty poor ones this year. I think we get poor ones nearly every game in the championship, and it's been like that for a number of years. I think you do well to get two or three good refs a season in this at this level. Um, yeah, I mean the first offside for Deli Bashiri goal is a couple of yards. He's not even close. He's a couple of yards on side, which is ridiculous. The Puskas one on the halfway line. It's hard to tell from where I am, if I'm honest. I'm not too sure. I haven't seen it back. Um, but yeah, he had a lot of space. And if he was offside from that position, I'd be disappointed in Puskas because there's no reason why he should have strayed offside there because he had so much space and, and room to run into. Um, yeah, we're, we're used to the officials. If if I'm honest, I'd like to see officials come out and explain some of their decisions. Not every decision. But I mean, for that example, that Delhi Bashir one, if that cost us the win yesterday, then you'd want the referee to come out and all the linesmen to come out and, and explain their decisions. I think they're overprotected, as, as they say goalkeepers are. I think referees are actually overprotected sometimes. And uh, yeah, I know they're ridiculed. I know it's not the easiest job, but sometimes decisions really do cost teams. And at this level, they're constantly, you probably get better referees lower down the, the pyramid, to be honest. And it needs to improve. And there's never a discussion about improving the standard of officiating in, in the championship. And that needs to change. As it stands, that goal didn't count. Nil-nil at half-time. I was quite surprised it was nil-nil at half-time because it felt like there was a lot of chances in that first half. Um, the opening to the start of the second half, though, definitely could have been a goal at the wrong end. Uh, Nick, we looked so sloppy for the first five, ten minutes of that, that opening uh, opening of the second half. And Barnsley could have scored after 30 seconds and uh, hit the post and... What went yeah. wrong at the start of the second half for them to kind of suddenly come out and look dominant? Yeah, I was saying to my dad at half-time, or just before half-time, I'd take a nil-nil at half-time just to sort of get Pano to kick something up them, get them going a bit more. And we had seemed to have the opposite effect at half-time and we started terribly and Barnsley seemed to up the ante and we looked out of um, out of position a bit. Uh, there was a nice little dinked ball across, actually. I thought someone might be nodding that in. Uh, I think it must have been Scott Dan cleared the ball, headed it away. Uh, but it just fell to, to the Barnsley player free just inside the air and he hit it really well. And fortunately, it hit the post. Um, we took about 10, 15 minutes to probably wake up in that second half. And I think the sub had to be made, the change had to be made. And that's when we seemed to turn it around and uh, start performing more to our more to the level you expect from a from a team at home to a team in, against a team in the relegation zone. And yeah, I don't know what what happened at the start of the second half. Maybe Barnsley just thought if we nab an early goal, we'll go 100%, nab an early goal and sit back. Maybe that's why they came out charging at the start of the second half and we didn't, just to exert some energy. But luckily, we got away with that and uh, sort of progressed forward and got the goal in the end. So that was good. It felt like Barnsley came out of a little bit of a change of formation, potentially, Matt, or a change in style. Uh do, do, do you think it was? Do you think that kind of was part of the reason that Reading looked so sloppy? Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think you got to give a bit of credit to Barnsley with how they did come out. They came out, um, you know, we, we we said how much they weren't pressing, and in, in in the first half they were almost letting letting um, Reading and you know drink water especially just dictate the game in that first half. Everything was like they had their time. Drink water was spraying passes right and left, and we were very much in control of it and kind of. Must have been a, been a change of impetus at halftime because they came out there pressing. Had we had very little time on the ball, even even at the back, so um, 
that chance even even came from um I think I think it was Liam Moore on the right or is either Moore or Yeardom get getting getting pressed, trying to play it up the line and getting getting intercepted. You know, and then and then Barnsley came came and pressed, cross it, falls to falls their play on the edge of the box and cracks it against the post. So um I think you've got to give some credit to Barnsley, but it, it was a bit disappointing because, like, like, like Nick said, I think you would have taken taken a nil a nil nil at halftime because it could have on another day it could have been one one two two to be fair at halftime with some of the chances that there were um, for for both teams, but it just it just didn't didn't seem to happen. It took a bit of time to adjust to to their pressing, which again you've got to give credit to Barnsley for that, but. It was good to it, it was good at least they weathered it out you know they they were they weathered it out for for 10 15 minutes the change of disease that came as well was was pretty pretty crucial and helped help helped open up some channels going forwards and um and uh yeah it was it was just good that we could get through get through that phase of um pressure and uh, just just before the change for disease um we almost saw the ridiculous, the sublime from from Josh Laurent, Nick, uh, who attempted a Zlatan Ibrahimovic thirty five yard lob um, from out wide. Yeah, I, I actually forgot that happened until you just said it. To be honest, um, yeah, the, the goalie comes out, makes a big hash of it, doesn't clear his lines properly, goes straight to Laurent. If his touch is better, he probably and hits the target. He probably scores because he would have got it under control and had the shot prior to Collins recovering the position. But the effort, considering the touch was a bit a bit poor from, from Laurent, was still pretty good to hook it on target, looping into the goal. Uh, but, but Collins managed to get back and uh, stop the ball going into the net. But it, it was actually probably Josh Lawrence's best moment of that match, to be honest, because it sums up his day with the touch and not managing to, to get it into the net. But I just felt like at that point, we weren't going to score. It's just going to be a drab nil-nil and... Yeah, it would have been a lovely goal when the goalie comes out and makes a hash there off their line. It does get you up off your seat a little bit and you want someone to score some sort of worldy 40-yard lob or, or whatever. So, yeah, that would have been a, a nice uh, goal to break the deadlock. But unfortunately, it didn't quite happen and the goalie got back and stopped it. And then the sub did come. Push gas off at the hour mark for, for Femi Aziz. And one of Femi Aziz's first touches uh, was... a pretty big chance nick for for reading um yeah. a loose pass from from barnsley giving the ball to danny drinkwater just inside the center circle um femi aziz good good performance yesterday um and i mean talk us through the chance yeah he came on i think he changed the game for us a little bit with his he's just got that that pace that puskas doesn't have and he's got great work rate but it helps being quick enough to close the defender down put them under immediate pressure Whereas Puskas might close the player down, but he doesn't necessarily get there quick enough to, to rush them. So Aziz is now rushing the defenders and he's running in behind, which which wasn't working prior to that. Um, it was a good quick pass from Drinkwater. That's what you expect from him now, from what we've seen and the level he's capable of playing. Uh, Aziz runs in behind and he's through and you think he's at least going to get a shot away. And he, he just hesitates, I think. And maybe it's just because he's come back from injury and it's his first game since that. But he just takes too long. And I think it's Helek. He gets back into position. He allows the defender to get back into position. He could then square it to Ajaria after he's wasted his 1-1 opportunity. But he, he takes the shot on. It's you know, a selfish striker kind of thing to do. Uh, but if he plays it to Ajaria, Ajaria's more or less got an empty next. Collins is out of position. Uh, I think there's a defender of a line. Like 
you know, like there was in the, the goal later on. But Ajara would probably score that. So maybe you should square it and we score. Uh, but he's got to be quick. He's just got to bear down on goal and uh, either try and round Collins or, or take the shot and before the defender recovers it. And we should have scored, actually. It's a shame. But yeah, it was nice to have that change, to have uh, a player capable of getting in behind. Just a, a little bit of a lack of decisiveness, perhaps, Matt, from Aziz there. I think it's more. It was on his. It was on his right foot, and you can tell he's not confident on his right foot um, in that in that situation. Because like I think you almost think that was probably the one chance you would have wanted Puskas to be on the field to take. Because because he well we know how he does dither on the ball sometimes Puskas, but at least to be on his right foot. But possibly a bit a bit of confidence, you know. Like I say, it, it was pretty much one of his first touches before um, what, since since coming back from injury. So. You can say possibly a bit, bit of confidence um, there, but I mean it was a it was a great run. It was a great run in the end. Um, hopefully he can he, he, he can just put put that one to bed. He's he scored some good goals already this season, so hopefully he can he, he can just put put that one to bed and um, just really kick on kick on from there. Maybe maybe work a bit on his right foot and uh, he might be able to take take that one next time. Hopefully so. If he gets another chance like that, I'm, I'm sure he won't be uh, hesitating next time. <laughs> Thankfully, didn't cost Reading, and um, I, I mean, I can I can quite happily sit back here, Matt, and I'll, I'll let you describe the the magic that was uh, both Scott Dan and John Swift for this goal. Yes, uh, Scott Dan, Andre Pirlo, uh, Andre Iniesta, whatever you want to call him. I mean, oh, it was like like Nick said, it it, it was the game was petering out. You kind of thought it's just going to be. Uh, a drab nil-nil against a pretty poor Barnsley side. But, I mean, the pass from Scott Dan, I mean, he, 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 it's, it's a bit of a strange one from, from the Barnsley press because the Barnsley press started, um, uh, it might have even been Woodrow who came came pressing him, but, he, but Scott Dan takes it takes it inside and the press just completely goes, it's just a little flick inside and he just averts it all, um, sprays it out to the left. And then, uh, I mean, to do, to do a 40-yard, pass like that on a dime to to swift as a center back i mean i i didn't know dan had that in his locker um i was speaking to one of my mates who's a palace fan um after the game he said he he, he is pretty comfortable and good on the ball like that he can do that so it's to be fair it was part of the game plan yesterday with with the balls that were being sprayed over the top out wide from the center backs but it could be something that's that's targeted going forwards but i mean the takedown from Swift, the run from Swift. I mean, we've spoken about him almost probably on every single podcast. It probably wasn't his be- best game yesterday, but when he can pop up and do do a run and score a goal like that, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because it, it, he's just got us out of a got us out of a hole again. He's given us given us that bit of magic which you sometimes need in a team that's 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 pushing at the right end of the table. And like I say, we, we, we're talking about him week after week after week, but he's almost becoming almost like Buendia was for, for Norwich when, 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 when they went up, you know, he's just too good almost for the, for the championship at this level. You know, he's got, he's gotten through his injuries, touch wood, fingers crossed, pray to whatever God you have and just that he stays fit because I mean, he's, he's some player. It's depressing thinking that we might lose him in the summer on a on a free but i mean just enjoy him whilst we have him because when he's scoring goals like that it's just it's just amazing and if any if anybody can convince john swift to sign a new contract 
miracle worker, miracle worker. I'm not going to try and get you to find more words to describe just how good John Swift is, Nick. Um, but Scott Dan, how good was he at the back yesterday? I mean, it feels like we might have found ourselves like a, a centre-back who is a Michael Morrison kind of impact, but one level up from Michael Morrison almost. Yeah, I was going to say that. He's, he's an upgrade on... He's Michael Morrison upgraded. He's um, experienced. He can tackle. He can head it. I mean, he's not even that tall for a centre-back. He's six foot one. He's so good in the air. He's just imperious all round. He really is a, a brick wall. Um, you can see him shouting everyone as well and, and ordering, you know, like you can see the leadership skills he has and uh, the experience he has from that. Uh, nothing got past him yesterday. He won every header. Uh, the tackle on the halfway line where he just stood still as someone tried to dribble past him. And that was just classic. I loved it. Uh, and his passing was good. He played a good uh, pass through the middle right up up to the, uh can't remember who it was to now, but it was just a, a low ball through, right through the midfield. Uh, it must have been to Swift or Pushkash or someone, but it was a really nice pass. That the vision for a centre-back is pretty decent. And then the ball to Swift, as, as we've already touched on, perfectly into his path for him to then, he still had to do a lot, Swift the chest down and drive forward, etc. But yeah, great. And it's so good to have him. I think whoever, Dan's going to be our main centre-back now, we're probably more. Um, but yeah, I think whoever's next to him is uh, in, in for a good time and they'll learn a lot. Holmes and McIntyre in particular can learn a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if he's left-footed, but he played on the left. So I'm assuming he's left-footed. I'm not too sure because more moved to the right. I have no idea. Uh, but I thought that was quite interesting to see. So maybe, maybe he's more comfortable on the left. I have no idea. But he's... Um, yeah, he's making us look very solid. And even the chance where Barnsley hit the post, I think he made the clearance with the header. But I think a lot of the time that would have been a goal, a nodded in goal for Barnsley or whoever else we were playing. So, yeah, he's um, great to have him on board. Uh, he probably was man of a match, maybe. Him or Southwood, I'd probably say. But, yeah, great to have him. And hopefully if he stays fit, we're, we're laughing. I think we're, we're going to have a strong season with him at the back. I think, need- I think the biggest thing about Dan's performance was that he just made defending look so easy. I mean, there were yeah. so many times where he just the uh, multiple blocks he made, like you said, the the, the tackle he made, um, uh, it was just j- just beyond the the descent circle where Barnes players just running at him and he just stops him dead, kills the ball dead at his feet. Barnsley player tri- trips over and he just he's walking away with the ball. He just made it look so so easy yesterday. And we talk about how good he is in the air. He was like, I mean, I think the Palace fans used to call him Scott down the goal machine, like from from heading goals in from corners and everything. Like, hopefully he'll pick that up because Morrison almost got that title <laughs> uh, over yeah. the past few seasons. If, so if he can come in and do that, even better. But I mean, he just made everything look so easy yesterday. And I think people always say it's one of the biggest compliments you can play pay to defenders, you know, by just making it look so easy. And he never really worried at all yesterday even when we were trying to hold on at the end of the game there, there wasn't that that worry probably part of it just because of how good Scott Dan was yesterday yeah, yeah one I thing think... one thing that I think Scott Dan really has added and Janet Drinkwater as well is is something that got leveled at Reading a lot last year was there was a lack of experience in the side and a lack of yeah. winning experience perhaps Scott Dan and Danny Drinkwater have been there and they've done it they're in they've played in the Premier League and they know you know, they've got the quality, I guess. That's the main thing that these additions have done this summer is they've added a lot of quality, Nick. Yeah, uh, yeah, drink water, as we know, is a, is a level above, more than a level above, I'd say. He's uh, probably a top, well, I don't know, maybe a top half Premier League player still, but 
he's you can see why he did so well at Leicester and got the move to Chelsea and got in some England caps. He's he's a really classy player and he's got that experience as well. It's not like a young player of potential like Elise or or, or even Swift and Dejario who've got so much ability and quality to grow. These players have been at the top level already, and I mean Drinkwater really has done it, hasn't he? He's, he's won the top top titles, Premier League, FA Cup, played for England, uh, and Dan's been in Premier League for what ten years, maybe more. Uh, he's captain of Crystal Palace. Um, I mean, it says it all yesterday that Barnsley didn't really have any clear cut chances. Nothing easy was there because I think the defence was so solid. And uh, I, I don't actually understand. I can see Drinkwater. I know and picked him up because obviously there's issues uh, away from football there. But with Dan, I don't know how someone didn't pick him up and take that gamble before us. Whether it's a newly promoted championship team who wanted a uh, Premier League team, sorry, you need the experience or one of the stronger championship teams just to bulk up their 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 side, like a Fulham or I don't rate Tim Ream, for example. He walking over Tim Ream at Fulham and West Brom as well. Uh it'd suit their style of play, big in the air, physical. He'd score a lot of goals for West Brom as well. So yeah, I don't understand how he was available for so long. No idea. Thankfully, he was managed to uh, to get him, and and he's definitely contributing to this run of form that Reading are on now. And I think it's is it five? I want to say it's five wins and six. Five wins and six. six. Yeah. Genuinely beginning to lose count, which is a nice feeling. Um, and it's definitely breeding a lot of confidence into the team. That uh, going forwards, we've we've got a lot of games coming up in the next. I think it's three weeks until the next international break. It's not a long time. We've got five games before the next international break. In the next week, we've got. Blackpool at home on Wednesday night, followed by Blackburn away next weekend. Given our run of form, are you confident that we're going to go unbeaten in these next two games? Blackpool, you'd certainly have to favour us. I think, you know, Blackpool probably have started probably better than I think most probably would have thought they would have started, to be fair, in the Championship. Credit to them for that. You know, they're difficult, difficult side to beat good on the ball. Um, but I think with the run of form, we got another home game. You know, the games are coming thick and fast. They're almost, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, or Saturday, Wednesday in this case, but Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, pretty much until the international break now. Um, but you've got to favour us against against Blackpool, I'd say. Um, Blackburn's probably a bit more of a... I, it's going to be a tough game, that, obviously, with um, Mr. Diaz, Brereton Diaz, in the form that he's in. I think if you, if you can keep him quiet then you'll have a good chance. Um, but I, that that would be a difficult one. We never normally travel travel well up north. Um, so, I mean, I think if we came away from that game with the draw, you'd probably be pretty pretty happy. I think uh, you always say a point away from home is always a good point. Um, but I think if you get four points in in this this week it's, it's it's another good week and you can really focus on on that um on that Bournemouth game coming up uh, the following week. So and Nick, uh, points prediction for this week? Uh, yeah, I have two games. I'll go with three, and I think we'll beat Blackpool. Maybe lose to Blackburn just because they're quite free scoring. Brereton Diaz is in great form. Um, he didn't start his stakes of a chilly, chilly late game on I think Thursday or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, Blackpool, I think we should should win. They have picked up well, Blackpool. I uh, wouldn't underestimate them, but. I think we've got the quality and the defence is looking pretty solid. So I don't see why we, we shouldn't go and win that maybe 2-0. Uh, but when we're tough, I don't, I don't think it's impossible to get a result there. But I just feel like away from home, the way they attack, uh, we're not quite free scoring ourselves at the moment. I think obviously we're struggling up front a little bit. But 
Um, yeah, if we could get a draw, if we can get four points, I'd be very happy out of that. Yeah, four points would uh, would certainly be a decent return for Reading this week, you'd, you'd like to think. And at the end of this week coming up, we'll be back. Elm Park Royals podcast um, preview show will be out later in the week, previewing the Blackburn game at the weekend, uh, along with the review for the Blackpool game in midweek on Wednesday night. So join us then, and we will uh, look forward to you listening along with us discussing Royals Fortunes 21-22. Hopefully, more wins to come. Cheers, Matt and Nick, for today. Cheers, everyone.